everybody. Welcome to It Never Rains on this podcast. I'm Heath Day. I'm the managing editor for Addicted to Quack. It's a website. Joining me this week is one of the great writers for ATQ, Thorns Matt Court. How you doing? Doing fantastic, sir. Yourself? Not bad. Good. Uh, so, uh, the Diamond Ducks are rolling on. Uh, both teams seem to be doing pretty well this season. Um, the uh, uh, softball team uh, uh, just finished up uh, uh, beating their one of their rivals, the Oregon State Beavers, in Corvallis. Um, the first game got rained out, uh, on Friday, but they made it up with a double header. Um, although Beeves, I guess a poverty program couldn't afford to televise the second game. Uh, so I have no idea how that went. Um, I think uh, they I went over their 120 it. minutes a month on yeah. live, live streaming. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. Poverty program that can't pay for, uh, you know, the, the, the premium plan. Um, uh yeah no and couldn't even pay a photographer like there's no clips or, <laughs> or still photos on Twitter yeah. or nothing. Um, yeah, there was very little of anything in that game, including on on uh, you know Oregon softball Twitter. There wasn't a ton of stuff on some of the games either. Yeah, so I don't get it, man. Crazy. I it must it must be a rights issue, I guess. But like, I it's uh, who knows. Um, and it's weird too because you know so the first game, you know, went down exactly as you expected given that like you know actually let me set the table a bit and talk a little bit about like game theory um because like who isn't excited about game theory um like you know for for you know for, for everything that happens in the diamond baseball and softball um you know, it, it, it's just about, you know, pitching versus batting and and, and fielding and base running are, are the tertiary questions. But the primary questions are simply like your your batting average or if you want to get a little more technical, your, you know, your 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 uh, on base percentage um, or maybe, you know, OBB plus slug, um, you know, versus, you know, you, you know, the ERA is the classic measure of pitching performance, but maybe, you you know, people have been looking at whip scores, you know, uh, uh, but, but basically, you know, how well do you bat versus how well do you pitch? But really, those are mirror images of each other, um, you know, and then like base running versus fielding, which, again, are sort of mirror images of each other. And like, look, Oregon's a more athletic team than Oregon State is. And so they enjoy a little bit of advantage in terms of like they don't make mistakes, you know in terms of fielding and they do squeeze out a couple extra steals and base running advantages. Whereas Oregon state does make mistakes in terms of, uh, you know, uh, fielding and they don't squeeze out extra advantages in terms of base running. And so, you know, uh, you know, we definitely saw that all over the first game, right? Like all over the, the case in the first game where, you know, in fact, like I, I think I commented and I think you, commented in your write-up where it's like the the official scorekeeper in Corvallis marked down the Beavs is only like four errors but like right. I think there should have been like six or seven errors for the Beavers yeah. they were constantly biffing them on the field don't you there think was just a bu- there are a bunch of plays where and I, I think this goes back to what you said about the athleticism gap there where the the play the defensive player for Oregon State simply could not get to the position she needed to be in to make the play um, and, and so you had balls caroming off of gloves, balls falling uh, next to people. It was crazy. But but honestly, that stuff, it's a tertiary question to the primary question of bats connecting with balls. Right. I, you know, because like it doesn't 
it doesn't matter how well you field or how well you run the bases if you're not you know if you don't connect with the with with the ball in the first place like right. you know if you're not putting the ball into the field to play it doesn't matter how well you play the ball once it's in the field uh or how well you run the bases you know once you're on the base um so like and you know just going over the stats going into the game you know Oregon's cumulative batting average is just way better than Oregon State's cumulative batting average and you know Oregon's uh you know pitching as much as we've sort of discussed the fact that like Oregon's got like one and a half ace maybe um you know Oregon State's got zero aces you know uh exactly you know like you know just just the you know the the essential question of a softball game um or a baseball game of like you know uh, uh, you know our team hits better than you pitch and we pitch better than you hit like you know this should have been a sweep um and it wasn't you know, the first game looked like how you expected it to look because, you know, where it was 10 to four, where, you know, the better hitting team and the better pitching team and the better base running team and the better field, you know, fielding team, you know, just clobbered them. And it was like, it was almost not worth watching the game except for <laughs> it was a rivalry game. It was fun to watch them suffer. Um, <laughs> but then the second game didn't go that way. No. And it's. And it's hard to understand why, and no one can really answer why, because no one watched was able to watch that game, except for the 30 brave souls who went out into the drizzle and watched it in Corvallis and left the comfort of their sheep at home. Um, <laughs> and, and, and like, I, I guess we could find them and ask them, um, you know, if, if they're capable of speaking uh, the Queen's English. Uh, but like, who knows? Because like that game was like, I mean, I'm looking at the box score and it's miserable. Oregon got two hits. In the entire yes. game, like or yeah. one hit on one hit. They, somehow they got two runs on one hit, and yeah. while Oregon State committed no errors, which like I don't understand how that happened. Um, I yeah, I don't either. I, I mean, after after their performance in the first game, suddenly they were able to field basically everything Oregon was able to put in play. Um, you know, and the Ducks ended up getting I think a run on a, a wild pitch or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's a walk and a wild pitch in the same. Yeah. Game. Which is like what, like what? <laughs> yeah, but and no and no hits. <laughs> yeah, so no. it's like it's like a very odd, very odd uh, box score for that game. Yeah, just and, like and, completely ice cold bats, just yeah. freezing yep. ice cold bats. But but Oregon, the Ducks pitch a uh, like they pitch a, a shutout. They give up four hits, but like none of them score. Yeah, you know, scattered the, the all beef, over the. Yeah. Right, exactly. The the bees strained, but you know, four hits is still actually a pretty decent pitching performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, but that yeah, that's I mean, that's what happened when when uh, you know Hanson got in trouble in the bottom of the seventh and leadoff double was given up. Um, right, exactly. I mean, Stevie Hanson. I mean, credit to her. I've sort of been during all of conference play. I've been kind of like worried about Stevie Hanson this whole time, and yes. yet. She basically pitches a shutout, you know, up until that seventh inning in which, you know, what happens because Oregon hasn't built up enough of a lead because so now the instant somebody gets on base, you know, that's the tying run, you know, comes up to the plate. And And so, you know, they showed in that series that Oregon State could hit home runs. So it's possible for the person coming to the plate to tie the game with one swing. 
Right. So then Reagan Breedlove comes up and now, you know, I'm even, you know, more worried because, you know, Reagan Breedlove of Oregon's like three pitchers, you know, three primary pitchers, like she's, you know, sort of the lowest on the pecking order, but she gets the save, you know, and, and good for her. But like it really, you know, in a game where it's a shutout, I should be talking about, hey, what an amazing pitching performance. Right. But really, yeah. you know, it's the ice cold bats. Yes. And, and that and that sort of, you know, becomes a presage for what happens in the third game, which is televised. But like nobody wants to talk about it because it was just gross. Like yeah, Oregon just did bad. not. I mean, Oregon just like didn't, get, you know, that's a game they get two hits in the entire game. Mm-hmm. Y- you know, uh, uh, it was just like gross, like they just could not connect. And it's not like, you know, Oregon State's bullpen is this amazing bullpen or anything. Um, yeah, you know, Oregon thing. The, I was going to say the interesting thing about these two games is for Oregon State, they were both pitched by the same person. Right. And she clearly was having a fantastic um weekend and in a way i think the scheduling that had to happen because of the uh rain out on friday um kind of kind of made that happen i don't understand i i suppose what it means is that uh the coach didn't feel comfortable bringing morgan scott back on sunday after she pitched the first game on saturday um which is unfortunate if she'd pitched the first game on Friday instead of Saturday, she would have had that one extra day of rest and maybe she would have been able to pitch game three. I mean, now again, you're right. It, it, it wouldn't have made any difference. Nobody, nobody. Yeah, Morgan's exactly. There's hit. no, there's no pitching performance that, right. that wins a game in which Oregon plates, no runs. Right. You, you know, like get I, it in the extra innings until people shake out of it. But for crying out loud. Yeah. Um, no, I, I put zero percent of the loss on Reagan breed love, you know, given up four runs on mm-hmm. five hits, four yeah. runs on five hits is fine. Like, yes. you know, like, yeah, you know, yes, I look, I, you know, if Oregon wants to be an elite team, then, you know, giving up four runs on five hits to Oregon state, given Oregon state's cumulative batting average on the season, you know, that's not an elite pitching performance. And, you know, if, you know, an upgrade probably constitutes having a better pitcher than Reagan breed love, you know, if you're listening, I'm sorry. Um, yeah. I don't put this loss on Reagan Breedlove. No, I put this loss on Oregon plating zero runs. Right. Um, that's and, and, that's unacceptable. And, and Garcia's pitching for Oregon State was great. I mean, uh, in in both was it? games two. Well, it must have been something. I mean, if Garcia can really pitch sure, two but, games in a row, then why can't Morgan Scott pitch on Saturday and Sunday? I don't know because I mean I don't know enough about her um, stamina to know for sure, but it is really that's the reason is, is what I'm saying. I I think, yeah, I, I don't think it's about the pitching. I don't think it's about Garcia's pitching. I don't think about Breedlove's pitching. I think it's about people named Hannah Delgado and Tara McGowan, Allie Bunker and Alyssa Daniels and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, not connecting with the pitching. Like, you know, they weren't hitting. Right. No, they weren't for two straight games, which is amazing when you think exactly against not a great pitching staff. Yes. 
At, at, that's probably the first time that that's happened against somebody who wasn't an elite. I can understand it, you know, against UCLA. Yeah, it's not like they were hit, hitting, hitting it. Fantastic. They did a great job hitting against UCLA. I know the people did. were like, well, why couldn't they, you know, hit in the clutch? In fact, I, you know, you wrote an article in which, yeah. you know, half of the blame, and I'm like, frankly, I disagreed with you. I thought that was just about the pitching. I think they did a great job hitting, um, you know, considering that UCLA has a, is a friggin' elite bullpen. Um, I are. think they did a great job. Um, what I don't think they did a great job hitting was Oregon state. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if that means like, you know, they took their eye off the ball, you know, or, or, or I don't know, you know, I don't know how much like psychologically it plays into it or motivation or any of this stuff. Like, I'm not the psychologist. Like, you know, I'm not interested in putting any ladies on the, on the, the psychologist's couch here. Like, I, I don't really care either. You know, I just care about the results and the results is yes. just like two hits. It's two hits in two games, you know, because because right. because the two hits that they got in the other two in in game two weren't hits. It was a wild pitch and a walk. Like, right. yeah, I mean that's completely unacceptable. Like, wild. I don't understand what the what the excuse is there. Um, and uh, and like, uh, yeah, I don't know. You it have too cold. I don't know. What do you think it was? Um. The th- the fact that it extended over two games um, is really odd. I mean, I can understand having like an off, like you go into the Sunday game and you've won the for- the series already. You've already won two games. You won the doubleheader on Saturday. Um, I can understand you go into that third game. There's some kind of a letdown by the team. That happens all the time in sports where, you know, you, you don't think you have to bring your best just because, you know, you've already shown you can beat this team. Mm. Um, it, I just, I can't, put my finger on anything in particular um, that that they were the batters were doing that would cause them to not hit the ball drive the ball as they were uh, at least in the first game um, some but you know clearly something happened there where you've got two straight games um, you know where you only scored two total runs and have three total hits uh, that you know that's not that is not the, the way this team has performed um, at any time, certainly this season, um, at, at the plate. And it's just weird. Well, and then the, here's the other thing that's like kind of bonkers about it is that like, you know, so then the next day, like they drive back down to Eugene to play Montana. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, on Monday at noon, you know, like it's it's like <laughs> less than, I think, 16 hours since right. they, you know, finished beating Oregon State. And like, look, Montana has a losing record. So does Oregon State. You know, like yes. Montana's not that much worse of a team than Oregon State does. And like they light them up. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, they win that game nine to one, you know, yeah, six innings. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah, like they, 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 yeah, they shut that, they, they shut that game on down on mercy rule, you know, and like, and it looks just like every other, you know, game that Oregon plays in which they just like, you know, like everybody's got multiple hits, you know, like mm-hmm. everybody's got multiple RBI. It's like, like it, it's like the le- the previous two games never happened, yeah. and it's not like they needed a bunch of rest, you know, it's not like they went no. to the coast and, and 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 you know like cleared their mind and and did some Zen meditation or whatever. You know, they just <laughs> they yeah. just came back and walloped. You know, the next game that they played. The game, yeah. You know, like thirteen hours later. You know, so like I don't get it, man. Like I, I'm I'm sorry for anybody who tuned into this podcast who's who's looking for some penetrating analysis about why this happened. <laughs> like, 
you know, all, all I can tell you is that it did happen. It was bizarre. One of those things. But like, that's it. But, but, you know, but I, I guess, you know, here's the curveball. Hey, what an apropos metaphor. Um, is that like, you know, we spent this entire time since conference play started um, and really sort of this ongoing thing over the last like two years and like evaluating Melissa Lombardi's time as Oregon's coach talking about the bullpen. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, yep. yep, I think Oregon's bullpen has actually performed pretty well over the, these last four games. I'm pretty happy with Oregon's bullpen. You know, t- truth be told, they lost a game mm-hmm. in which Reagan Breedlove gave up four runs. I, you know, I just finished saying, I don't care. Um, like, what I do care about is the one thing that I sort of had taken for granted, um, which is that for two games in the middle of these four, like the bats disappeared. Um, but like, Oh, maybe, maybe I'm not supposed to notice that like now, <laughs> you know, cause like the game at the beginning and the game at the end, they hit, you know, 10 runs and nine runs and mercy ruled the team. And then they're going to, you know, so now they have a weird two game series against a team called Lindenwood, who I'd never heard of before, uh, which comes from like a little, uh, school in Missouri. Um, uh, you know, they only play on Thursday and Friday. Um, right. I, I, you know, they're probably going to clobber them. Um, you know, I was probably going to run rule those, you know, folks too. Although me saying that, that you probably means it's gonna jinxes like, it. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Um, you know, whatever. So like, I, I guess, you know, I'm not supposed to notice. <laughs> and like one of the games wasn't televised that I'm not supposed to notice. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like this conspiracy. What is know. happening? Yeah. Right. I don't know. Well, man. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I can't, it's, you know, it's one of the, I guess you just have to chalk it up to one of those things that happens, but it's just bizarre that it was, you know, four, basically 14 straight innings where nobody could hit the ball. Yeah. And that's a long, I mean, it's one thing to go a couple of innings where, you know, the pitcher's hot or, you know, you're not feeling it or whatever, but, you know, two straight games, um, is a long time in college softball to go with basically, but it's, but it's no bracketed hits. by 14 innings yeah. in which yeah. no one can stop hitting the ball. Right. Like, yeah. 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 So <laughs> oh, it beats me. All right. That's, that's enough. Let, let's stop. Let's take a break. Uh, we come back. We'll talk some baseball. All right. Well, there is definitely one team that can definitely just never stop hitting the ball, which is the Oregon baseball team. (laughs) Good Lord. Um, What a performance in Arizona. Yeah. So they go down to to Tucson and just humiliate uh, uh, the Wildcats. Um, So funny background. uh, Arizona uh, courageously somehow uh, uh, takes on like Grand Canyon, which is not like a uh, like a a correspondence college, I swear. Um, But their coach gets ejected for for arguing with the ump somehow and has to serve like a two game suspension. So their pitching coach is their interim coach. Um, and they're like, Arizona's pitching might be the worst pitching I've ever seen. Um, like somehow worse than Oregon's pitching. Um, uh, like, like poor Logan Mercado for Oregon, who's one of their primary pitchers has, I think like a seven, six, seven ERA, which I think is like the worst (laughs) pitching like stat that I've ever seen in my life. But, but like, but the thing is about Oregon's bullpen is that they've got like 12 pitchers. 
and they just like right. somebody pitches like half an inning and he gets pulled and it's just like yeah there's there's fun. somebody good there somewhere we just got yeah find like we guy. just got to keep got it, got it going for that day yeah, yeah like this is what i dig about wise is just like yeah we're, we're gonna have like seven guys pitch during a game and <laughs> i'll find somebody good like it was funny at some point like malaris comes in malaris at this point still has a zero era he closes the game and like he cannot throw a pitch to save his life like they're completely <laughs> wild pitches but arizona is so desperate to get a hit that like they're swinging at everything and yeah. so like this guy who has no control over his pitch still finishes the game with the save <laughs> and a zero era and on the stat book he looks like a genius but like yeah, right. he, i mean i'm if sure you actually he watched not. it if you actually watched it he looked drunk like <laughs> it's crazy so anyway uh getting ahead of myself so that i mean they go down to tucson on friday just completely clobber them just 15 to 3 I and mean, it was just i mean that game's not even worth talking about it just yeah. humiliated they just them. jumped on them i mean it was from the get-go too it was like yeah. seven runs in the second inning and i mean it was hilarious at, at one point the arizona commentator who was the most like straight-laced commentator i've ever heard who's who's great he's like just like dead pans i forget who it was but um actually maybe i can look it up uh yeah it was jacob walsh just dead pans uh, uh jacob walsh singles through the right side for his second rbi of the inning which i believe is the first time in a lifetime of listening to baseball announcers i've ever heard second rbi of the inning yeah. <laughs> not two rbis in the inning. yeah right not a two run rbi inning. but second rbi of the inning they went all the way through the batting cycle oh, man. And, he and, and there were still enough guys RBI. on base for him to get another yeah <laughs> i know it was like do you know what has to happen for the same human being to hit yeah. two rbis in the same inning like yeah. you, you're so you so thoroughly humiliating the pitching staff and for that to have happened in the second inning like yeah right. uh man man oh man yeah, <laughs> so they anyway just could not find anybody to throw yeah it was amazing. <laughs> so that, absolutely amazing yeah so that's that's real bad <laughs> yeah. that's really bad arizona yeah. <laughs> like yeah so, so but then somehow it got worse yeah. <laughs> so in game <Yeah>. two <laughs> jesus christ so in game two uh, uh arizona goes up 10 to nothing by the bottom of the second um yeah. it wasn't exactly it, the like, opposite of the first game, right right Although not exactly the opposite. It was, I mean, Arizona was hitting the ball, but like, it was kind of, it was kind of on, it was a bunch of unearned runs. It was sort of like Oregon yeah. was screwing up. There were some fielding errors and stuff, which are pretty uncharacteristic. Like, I'm not trying to let Oregon off the hook. It was definitely bad. You know, what was happening and it was definitely like Oregon, some pitching errors, Oregon, some fielding errors, like, you know, but it's not like Arizona, like found another like magic you know, it's not like Arizona like came to play or something like it was, yes. you know, kind of like it was like kind of some fluky uh, fluky kind of sounds weird. But like uh, what I, I guess what I'm trying to say is what happened the rest of the game in terms of Arizona's hitting performance didn't exactly surprise me. Right. Yeah. To wit, they got one run in the remaining seven innings and even that one run you know, was uh, uh, not that impressive. And it came on Oregon, you know, uh, getting a pretty like awesome double play. Um, 
So, yeah. And, and, and so meanwhile, what happens, you know, for the rest of the game is Oregon gets a run in the third, Oregon gets two runs in the fourth, they get two runs in the sixth, they get five runs in the seventh. And, uh, in case, you know, you're having a hard time with the math, that means it's now 10 to 11. Um, Oregon gets three runs in the top of the ninth to take the lead. And the deadpan commentator is just devastated. He's like, this is difficult to believe. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and so, yeah, this is the game that I was talking about where Malaris gets the save and Arizona is just chopping at everything. Like, like even though they could have just stared at every ball and taken walks and could have maybe like tied the game back up, just walking around the bases, but instead they were just, chopping at everything and <laughs> they lose 13 to 11 in possibly the most humiliating come from behind uh, victory for the ducks that I've ever seen. Um, yeah, it was great. Uh, what did you think about that game slurms? Um, despite the fact that Arizona is not thought of as one of the top teams in the pack 12, you're looking at 10 deficit after two innings and you're kind of going hmm what's going on here where were those bats for Oregon that we saw uh, explode yesterday and that and then they just go crazy and it's like now you're kind of thinking to yourself you know after that game um I, I don't somebody's somebody might beat this team by outscoring them somehow but it didn't seem to me I mean the message to me seemed like it was there there is no lead that's safe. Yeah. Uh, against this team. Um, they really, even, you know, they were still down 11 to five uh, with four innings to play and still managed to win the game. It was just a, a, an incredible offensive performance that, that really showed, I thought a lot of determination on the part of the, of the club to not mail it in after going down so much. They clearly believed that they could, win the game regardless of you know, yeah like i mean it's 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 the oldest sports cliche in the book but like they, there's no quit you know they're yeah. just like yeah. oh it's a nine in a game we're just gonna keep right. swinging yeah, yeah. and it's like plenty, it, plenty it, it also left. sort of it also sort of demonstrates why baseball you know and softball are sort of you know batting is the most important it is the primary stat mm -hmm. like because there's you know unlike in football and basketball and you know just about every other game in which there's ways in which your defense can either score or put your offense in a position to score easily right um right you know there's fa there's fast break scores you know in basketball or yeah. there's turnover scores in football or you know giving your offense a short field on a turnover right. you know or you know well i could list all of them but you know what they are but in baseball there's absolutely no way you know the, all the defense can do is get off the field um you know uh uh, you know, the, 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 that's why batting, you know, is the, is, you know, enjoys primacy, um, and, and games in which you come back from a 10 deficit because there's no such thing as a safe lead. Um, yeah, exactly. And so then the third game is like, you know, it's, it, it finishes with an eight to five score, although that's because, you know, Arizona hits three runs in the seventh inning, you know, for most of the game, you know, or, you know, Oregon's, you know, sitting on a pretty comfortable lead because like in every inning, basically they score a run, you know, it's just like it, you know, they, they get a couple of hits, they score a run, you know, they get a couple of hits, they score a run, they get a couple of hits, they score two runs, you know, like it's just like, yeah. the, you know, they steadily, you know, 
you yeah, hit, drip, 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 drip. Yeah, you're, exactly. You're, you're, you find your team falling farther and farther behind. They're not like murdering you or anything, but they're just pulling away. And that, that's hard to take, I suspect. And well, and it's constant about, homers. I mean, that's the other thing right. is that like, yeah. they, you know, everybody can go yard on this, you know, Jacob yes. Walsh. Uh, uh, Howley, you know, uh, uh, Ceballos, uh, uh, so I think has two home runs against Portland that, you know, they've got on while I'm recording to you. Like, uh, yeah, like, you know, everybody can go yard on this team. Yeah. Like there's it, no like it, rest periods for the pitcher, you know, from the other team where you can say, okay, you know, I can work this batter a little bit and, and, uh, you know, work the, the zone and I'll be able to get this guy out, but the rest of these guys, it's like, in some cases, you see them hit home runs off of pitches that they, they may not have any business swinging at. Uh, they're so powerful. So uh, Oregon's currently th- uh, throttling the Portland Pilots. Uh, it's like eight to one in the eighth nine nine to right one now. now. Uh, nine, nine to one, one now in the ninth. Uh, Pilots, oh are, Pilots are coming up in their last at bat here. Um. They've got Oregon State uh, this weekend uh, uh, shifted a day forward. It's Thursday, Friday, Saturday um, at home uh, in PK Park. Um, uh, Oregon State's not having a great season. I mean, always sort of a dangerous team, of course. Uh, and, they, you know, you expect them to take a rivalry game, you know, rivalry series seriously. Um, uh, but, like, it's a more vulnerable team than they have been in the past. Um I think, you know, all things considered, uh, Oregon's probably the better team this year. Uh, mm-hmm. They've, looked, they've uh, looked very, very good. And you're right, Oregon State has struggled a little bit. Uh, now, admittedly, some of the struggles have come against tougher opponents. Um, but their struggles nonetheless. And, you know, the Beavers are sitting at five and seven in the conference, mm-hmm. which is very unusual for them at yeah. this, you know, this point in the year. Honestly, I think that Oregon's played a tougher out-of-conference schedule, too. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Oregon State really didn't challenge themselves much in the out-of-conference. Um, uh, yeah. Um, and, you know, in terms of, uh, 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 you know, comparable opponents, you know, Oregon State lost their series to Washington State. Oregon won their series against Washington State. So Right. Um, all right. Let's take a break. Uh, we come back. We'll talk some football. So uh, I am continuing my uh, series on uh, the transfers coming into Oregon. I uh, will be publishing an article uh, on Wednesday morning about the two wide receivers coming in, uh, Tez Johnson uh, from Troy and uh, Treshawn Holden from Alabama. Um, actually, both of those schools are in the state of Alabama. Um, the uh, I'll talk about Ches Johnson first. Um, he, uh, what interesting guy! Actually, of all things, the adopted brother of Bo Nix. Um, right. They uh, they played on the same high school football team in Pinson, Alabama. Um, their coach was uh, their father, um, Patrick Nix, um, and just you know adopted uh, uh, Tez. Um, Keontes is his long name, but he or you know full first name, but he goes by Tez. Right. Um, uh, and, um, 
yeah. So like back in high school, Bo Nix was throwing touchdown passes to Tez. Um, so it's cool that they got reunited. Um, Tez Johnson uh, was a 2020 recruit. Uh, he played um, sort of, you know, he played every game in 2020, but he wasn't really like a primary receiver as a true freshman. And of course that season didn't count because the COVID holiday, um, but he got like one or two catches every game. Um, and then in 2021 and 2022, I guess I would say that he was their primary receiver. But the thing that was crazy about watching the film in those two seasons um, was that like, he wasn't on the field half of the time. Like, mm-hmm. and, And then when he was on the field, he wasn't getting targeted much of the time. And yet he was their number one receiver by a wide margin in terms of both like, you know, total number of receptions and total amount of yards. And that's because like he never drops a ball and he gets a huge amount of yards after contact. And like he's I mean, he's built like a slot receiver all day. He's like 5'10", 150 pounds, and you can instantly spot him, you know, in the in, you know, in the formation because like he does not look very big at all. Um, yeah, I like, wondered about that. It's the thing that stuck stood out to me when I was reading through this. I thought it was a typo. 150 yeah. pounds is like, yeah. you know. Yeah, I mean, like he's if you saw him walking down, like that's a normal sized human being. If you saw him yes, walking down correct. the street wearing a business suit, you wouldn't think about it at right. all. But like when he's on the football field with a bunch of gigundo dudes, you're like, oh, <laughs> no, right. he's going to get broken in half. <laughs> um Although I will say, like, I put a, a, cl- a clip compilation in my article, including him throwing some blocks. Like, he's a pretty feisty, dude. Like, he's yeah. like, don't worry about that at all. Like, yeah, the size, you know, not the size of the dog. It's not the uh, size yeah. of the dog in the fight. It's the size. Of, you'll I you'll get it, Slurms. Eventually, um, maybe yeah, next next time I'm on the podcast. Like, like no oh, nobody's going to mistake him for a tight end or anything. Like, don't expect him to like like on a screen pass or something. Like, maintain a block for three seconds while the screen receiver like gets out to the sideline. That's probably right you don't want to do that. But like if he needs to maintain a block, like just for a second for the running back to get through, to get a first down, like I've got a clip in my article of him doing that. Um, you know, he'll, he'll he's not going to get broken in half. He's a pretty tough kid. Um, in fact, I, I've, I had a bunch of clips I could have put in, you know, ton of clips of him. Like, cause he got used as like a possession receiver a whole lot. In fact, I, a sort of a running theme in, in my write-up of it, uh, of his time at Troy was that I, I sort of thought that like Troy was misusing him. Like they should have been using him because his speed is so amazing. Like he's so fast and he's so elusive and his acceleration is so smooth. Um, they really should have been using him to like take the top off of defenses and using him on deep routes. And they really weren't, they were using him enough uh, for that, that I could put clips in my article of it to show off like how good he is at it. But like right. they weren't instead they were using him on like a lot of sort of short route stuff. And which let me finish the point, which the downside of that for him is that he would catch the ball and then immediately get clobbered by big, bigger defenders because everybody on the field is bigger than him, like even the punter (laughs) and who would be trying to like jar the ball because like I can hit this guy so hard, this little kid, you know, so hard that it'll knock the ball out of his hand, but it never happened. So like good that, you know. he's good like in, in in that regard. But then the other aspect that I thought was really like um, he was like poorly utilized by Troy was that they were using him on um, screen passes a ton, just like a ton where he would catch the ball because of course he did. That's his job. But then Troy was such a terrible screen pass blocking team that like 
there'd be a, a, to, a, a dude that they would like forget to block or just like the block would get blown up. And so he would immediately get tackled for a loss, but it would be tackled for a loss on a passing play or right. he'd be used as the sweet man, which like teams over the last 10 years have started using that little push pass. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Where like, yeah. instead of doing the handoff, they, they push the ball forward like six inches because then if there's a problem with the handoff, it goes down as an incomplete pass instead of a fumble. Right. But the right. problem for the stat book is that that goes down as a passing play, which like it's the one of the benefits of doing film study. And um, well, boy, I could go on a long rant about why that means I don't I don't I don't trust stat books and I don't even trust like a lot of advanced stats that use the raw stats as they're like, you know, their inputs because you know, that means that they're using that as a stat play instead of a pass play instead of run play. But uh, sorry, that's a long rant uh, that I'll, 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 I'll spare you. But anyway, um, you know, uh, so 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 if you so even though this guy, Tez Johnson, is Troy's like leading receiver by huge margins, he, if you look up his stat line and you're like wait a minute why does this guy in 2021 only have 11 yards per completion and only have 15.4 yards per completion in 2022 11 yards in 2021 and 15.4 in 2022 the answer is because he keeps getting used as a sweep as a Mm -hmm. pass play and a screen in which he gets negative yardage plays because the sweeps and screens keep getting blown up through no fault of his own because the the blocking is so bad and Troy should stop calling these plays and instead should be calling like downfield passing plays for him. Um, And, and, and and it's sort of this running theme in my, of the article. Well, it's sort of a running theme of all of my transfer articles that I think this dude is being misused or underused right. by because like he's a, leaving or whatever. Yeah, right. Like, of course, yeah. it's going to be a theme yeah. of my transfer articles. Sure. Like, you know, um, but like, but, you know, I tr- so I try not to hit it too hard because I, I feel like the reader would grow sick of me, you know, saying that, although spoiler alert when i write about taishim johnson um for for old misses defense it's going to be really hard to contain it i hate that defense but that's <laughs> next week um Anyway, uh, uh, Tez Johnson's numbers are unfairly curtailed by the offense that he was used in. And however, since I got to chat chart all of his plays, I got to, uh, I can just pull out all the screen passes and sweeps mm-hmm. and just look at his downfield only passing plays. Yeah. And when I do that, you know what happens to his yards per reception? It jumps to 22.3. Wow. Every time you throw Tez Johnson the ball and the ball crosses the line of scrimmage before he catches it, (laughs) you gain 22.3 yards. Dang. And and uh, Pro Football Focus College, which I actually don't really love as an organization. I don't really understand how they gather their stats, which because they're opaque about it, but they rank him as the number two receiver in the country um, on their grading system behind Marvin Harrison jr. At Ohio state um, because he gets because of his route running and because of his yards after catch, he's so good at it. Um, 
And like, I've got tons of clips in my article and you will immediately understand on reading my article why, um, you know, I, I agree with pro football focus about his route running, but why his stat line doesn't bear that out. And it's because his stat line is being, it's like his light is being concealed under the bushel of all of those horrible, horrible screen passes and sweeps. And, um, I tried not to like burden down my article too much. Like, oh man, like an early version of my article had a bunch, like, oh man, I've got so many plays tagged on my tally sheet of like, you know, I, cause uh, boy, <laughs> you know, I could have, you know, put a bunch of clips in my article of other Troy, you know, receivers and tight ends who should have been doing a good job blocking, but instead they weren't and getting right. blown up by like Sunbelt defenders Jeez. you know but like yeah like who's you know who would that Seriously. serve you know like it's not like those yeah. guys are getting nil nil deals you know like yeah exactly. it's not like uh you know the mercedes-benz dealership of troy alabama is sponsoring that guy you know? yeah. <laughs> like, he doesn't deserve to to have uh his crappy blocking exposed on the internet um but uh, if anybody thinks I'm fabricating that, I guess I have all the timestamps. You can contact me. Yeah. And... <laughs> I'd be happy to show I you. I mean, why would I lie about this? You know? no but but I, I, <laughs> I swear, like, it really is. His stats are dragged down by just by, by that. Um, and uh, he really is just an absolutely phenomenal yards after catch receiver. And I have clip after clip after clip in my article. So read it. It's very enjoyable he, to watch. He looks just... very fast on the, on the video. Oh yeah. And it's not, it's not just fast. Cause there's like a bunch of different kinds of fast and he's right. like all of sure. the different kinds of fast. Yeah. Um, but it's like Quick the acceleration. And, yeah. yeah. He's so smooth and he's yeah. so elusive. Um, and it just makes defenses look silly. Like the way that he, like I, I, I went out of my way to, to find clips in which he's like, he's like weaving through defenses. Yes. Um, and getting like yards after cause it, cause it's not just like, cause like, frankly, I didn't really love his offense and I really didn't love his quarterback. In fact, I have an entire, um, clip compilation in the article in which he's adjusting on the ball because the ball's poorly thrown. It's like, oh. this would have been a touchdown if the ball was placed properly, <laughs> but instead, and because he totally cooked the, the, the cornerback, but instead he has to run back seven yards um, to catch this totally <laughs> underthrown ball, but he caught it anyway for 45 yards. Um, oh, <laughs> so like, awesome. you know, I should hope that won't be a problem with Bo Nix and I'll be kind of catching so. touchdowns instead, but like, yeah. So anyway, um, so, so yeah, I, I like Tez Johnson. I, I, I think he's uh, going to work out pretty well. Um, so then Trayshawn Holden's the other guy, the, the, the other uh, half of the article. Um, Trayshawn Johnson, sort of your, your classic outside receiver, um, you know, his big guy, um, you know, four star Alabama recruited him for a reason. Um, you know, it's interesting. So in 2021, um, he's like the sixth leading receiver because, you know, he's behind a bunch of NFL dudes, right? You know, right. you totally expect that to be the case, right? Like Alabama sent like, I think their top four, um, pass catchers to the NFL at the end of the 2021 season. So it's like, well, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, being, being six on that crew is not that terrible. Yeah, really. exactly. It's just like, and so in 2022, you're just like, well, okay, Treshawn, you know, your turn. Right. And so right. for like the first five games, it absolutely looks like that, you know, like, and, and Bryce young wins the Heisman, you know, in 2021, that's the other thing. They're a quarterback. Um, 
And so, you know, and, you know, he's catching passes and he looks good. Like I've got a bunch of clips in which he's, you know, he's catching these, you know, these timing routes and these comeback routes. And like, he looks good, you know, no, it's no, no complaints at all. Um, but there's a couple of things that sort of happen um, that are sort of worth noting. Um, number one is there's something weird about the offensive line. Um, like the offensive line is not blocking well for Alabama, which is like weird, you know, for an SEC team, you know, much less Alabama. Um, and like Bryce Young is like running a lot. Um, and actually I put a whole clip compilation in my article about like, which is a weird thing to put in my article, um, about like Treshawn Holden's a good guy to have on the scramble drill. Like he like watches the quarterback and like tries to mirror him to be like, Hey, I'm open dude, throw it to me, you know, or like, Oh, you're running. I'll go throw a block for you, dude. So like, that's good. But also the fact that I had so many clips to choose from of him being a good guy on a scramble drill should probably tell you something about something was wrong here. You know, Um, number was supposed to work. Number two is that the two years he was at Alabama coincide with the two years that Bill O'Brien was the offensive coordinator at Alabama, in which every Alabama fan wanted Bill O'Brien fired. Um, And then he sort of eventually was, or he went to the Patriots, but like, (laughs) and like I included a clip in which like an Alabama fan starts screaming at Bill O'Brien. He starts screaming back. It was pretty funny. Um, and like Bill O'Brien just wants to throw the ball to the the running back who like they got a running back from Georgia Tech, um, Jameer Gibbs, who's really good. But like Jameer Gibbs becomes their leading receiver and like yeah. he doesn't want to throw the ball downfield. And it was like crazy. Um, it, yeah. So like sort of makes it difficult to to evaluate Treshawn Holden because like the ball never gets thrown to Treshawn Holden between like Bryce Young scrambling for his life all the time. And the fact that like Bill O'Brien only wants to throw the ball to the running back. Um and like he wants to run like 12 personnel offenses and six offensive linemen offenses. So like Treshawn Holden's only on the field like 50% of the time. And even when he's on the field, like you can tell from the way that uh, Bill O'Brien structures the offense that like, so it's a lot of like when there's four receivers on the field, it's a lot of three by one sets, meaning like three wide receivers on one side of the field and one wide receiver on the other side of the field. And Holden will be the one in the three by one. And he'll be running just like straight down the field and the quarterback will be his progression will be the three guys on the other side of the field. So he's not even looking at Treshawn Holden like he's not even in the progression. So like it's not just Holden's not getting targeted. It's he's not even getting looked at, which means a decoy mostly. Well, yeah, or uh, which, yeah, I mean, that's obnoxious, but it also means it's, it's, I would understand why Holden would find that obnoxious and would want to transfer out of that. But also it's obnoxious to me as a film reviewer, because like, I am not getting film on how well he is generating separation from the uh, defensive back who's covering him because the camera doesn't look his way. Right. Like I have, I have almost no film on how well Treshawn Holden generates separation from defensive backs. Like, I don't know how good he is as a wide receiver. Like, I would have, if if you told me, sight unseen, that I was getting a low three-star slot receiver from G5 Troy as a transfer and a four-star from Alabama, you know, uh, X right. receiver, um, and I, and, and I need to write, you know, and one of them was going to get top billing. One of them was going to get second billing. I would be like, well, the Alabama guy's obviously going to get top billing. Nope. He's not, he's getting second billing. And the reason is not because I think that Treshawn Holden sucks. The reason is because I've got almost no film on Treshawn Holden. 
for for the reasons that I've I've mm-hmm. given about Bill O'Brien and the way that he was used. And then the other thing is that like he he sort of like gets systematically marginalized. He winds up sitting out two different games um in November. Um you know, as the offense gets like increasingly like, you know, it's just the Jameer Gibbs and six offensive linemen and two tight ends show. Um, you like Jeez. he makes a couple of mistakes like everybody does. You know, it's, you know, like uh, other wide receivers make mistakes on Alabama. But when other wide receivers make a mistake, like they miss a block or whatever, or they drop a pass, which like, you know, he drops a couple of passes. Everybody drops passes, you know, like he, he doesn't drop passes at a rate that's greater than everybody else. But when, when another Alabama wide receiver drops a pass, he's in on the next play. When Treshawn Holden drops a pass, he misses the next four drives. Yeah. It's like, it's like, hmm. you know, they want to punish him. I don't know. I really, I, I just said that, but I instantly want to retract it because I don't know. Like, I understand there's a possibility of something of stuff like personality conflicts or off the field issues. I understand that like Dan Lanning kicked him off the team after an arrest or a gun issue or something like that. And then, and then he was reinstated onto the team, which like, I never really got a full picture. There's a crazy story from 2020 in which he was on the LSU campus. Like I think visiting a friend and the LSU campus police, wind up pulling guns on him and his friend oh geez and are like where are your guns and drugs the lsu campus police wind up getting suspended over this for being like i don't know racists or some shit um which like southern cops got suspended for something yeah. like you know something tinky right. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah i, I like than average Right. So like part of me is like, I don't know, maybe Treshawn Holden sort of brought all this stuff on himself. But then another part of me is just like, maybe this dude is just like the unluckiest dude in the world. Like maybe all of this is just like totally snake bit. And he just wants a train change of scenery, yeah. you know, like, yeah. because that is what crazy, I th- though, that they'd sit him for a, a single mistake that harshly. Yeah, I, I don't. just odd. But like, I don't know, like maybe in the locker room, he's being obnoxious and they're like, I'm sick of this guy, like sit him, you know, Mm -hmm. but I don't know. Like I'm expecting this pure speculation. I have no way of knowing any of these things. All I can do is watch the film. And then what I'm complaining about is that like, I don't, I watched two years worth of film on the guy and I barely had enough to fill four film compilations. Mm -hmm. You know, what I saw looked good. You know, what I saw looked like, you know, power five, you know, elite starting receiver who's a four star, you know, so like, I don't get it. Like, I really don't. Um, I It's really it's it's the of all the transfers that I've written about. It's the guy and, and will write about, um, you know, because I got two more to go. Evan Williams and Taishim Johnson, the DBs. Um, he's the guy that I'm I'm I've still got the most question marks because the film is so like. I between the the film is so scanty, but what I saw was so good. But then it doesn't make sense why the film is so scanty, scanty given that it was so good. Like right. it just doesn't make so. Anyway, I reader, I gave you what I got. And, you know, you can make up your mind, and you'll get to see him in the spring game. And we'll, I guess, we'll just see. Um, but it really uh, like beats me. It's the it, uh, it's it's hard to understand. Um, but like I said, from what I saw, I liked it. I, 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 I thought, you know, uh, oh, and blocking, 
Um, that was another thing I saw on some Alabama message boards that like some fans were like, boy, you know, he doesn't seem like a very enthusiastic blocker. And so I was like watching for that. And like, w- it's true that when he's like on the opposite side of the play, he's sort of like doing that desultory blocking thing. He's like, oh, pat- playing patty cake thing. But like everybody right. does that. Yeah, when they're on the, the opposite side, when they're not yeah. really part of the play, because yeah. like, are you kidding me? That's not a good use of your energy to be like trying to go Hulkamaniac on a dude when like your block doesn't matter. Like you're yeah. just going to exhaust yourself. And then when it is time for you to do something for real, like you're, you, you, you don't have the tiger in the tank like that's, you know, but when it was time for him to throw a real block, he was ferocious and throwing great blocks. And I put clips in my article of it. So like, I don't really think that's a fair knock on him, but I don't know. Maybe Nick Saban hated that. And maybe Nick Saban wants him to do it hundred percent. I don't know. I'll, again, a hundred percent sick speculation. I don't, I have no way of knowing these things yeah. uh, about like, you know, how he was evaluated at Alabama. Um, all I well, can say be finally is one of the fun things about spring ball and then fall is to see some of this, you know, we'd, you don't know anything about him. It'll be interesting to learn whether he's the guy that had the good receiving and the good blocking, or he's some other guy. Yeah. That, I really, you know, you don't know yet. Yeah. So, I mean, I've, I've, I've gone through eight guys worth of tape or actually at like seven and a half. I'm not quite done with Evan Williams tape yet. Um, but like, uh, you know, but I'm all, I'm almost done with eight guys worth of tape and I don't have question marks on any of them really. Like I feel very confident in my assessment of, uh, of them with the exception of Trayshawn Holden. Like he's really yes. the, the, the mystery man out of all of them. Well, I guess there are two others that are mystery men, you know, in the sense that I just wasn't able to acquire tape on them at all. Um, and, 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 and those are uh, a Johnny Cornelius and the um, and the other Alabama transfer, the cornerback, um, um, whose name is escaping me right now. Sorry, uh, buddy. Um, uh, who just who's a backup cornerback and like forget it, <laughs> like, just n- not nearly enough film to do even close to an evaluation on that guy. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, no, I, uh, you know, sorry, but anyway, that article is going up on Wednesday. Um, it, it, it's, uh, you know, I, I certainly had plenty of film on Tez Johnson. It's a treat to watch. And what I was able to acquire of Treshawn Holden is fun to watch too. So like it was an enjoyable, uh, you know, article in that sense. And I, I think everybody should have fun. And, and, uh, again, you know, I, I believe that both of those guys have been fully healthy for practices and should be hundred percent good to go for the spring game on the 29th. So, uh, you know, should be some good questions answered. I think there should be a pretty healthy competition at wide receiver. Um, and, uh, and, and as such, uh, you know, I think we should be treated to a real, uh, fireworks show, um, at that position. Like, I don't think that, that position is settled at all in the, the guys that they took at wide, you know, like I think it's a pretty good wide receiver room and they took some dynamite guys at wide receiver. So it's yes. like, you know, unlike positions where they, they took some, some transfers and it's like, well, I know why they took transfers at that position. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I can pretty much slot that guy in as the starter, you know, not so much true at wide receiver. They took some guys who, uh, you know, they're, they look really good, but at the same time, they're going to be a, a real fight, you know, for, for minutes. So that's great. Uh, that's good for the room, you know, to yeah. get that competition going. So, yeah. Uh, so it should be pretty exciting. That's coming up on the, on the 29th, the, the last of the PAC 12, uh, spring games. Um, 
Uh, yeah. So that the, my the, that article, the the wide receiver transfer article, will be published on uh, Wednesday, pretty much like half an hour after this podcast drops. Um, and then I'll have my DBs article on uh, Evan Williams and uh, Tysheem Johnson uh, the week after that. And then spring games, uh, Pac-12 spring games start on the fifteenth. So I'll start my Pac-12 previews. Uh, you know. Uh, shortly thereafter um, and we'll roll through the entire Pac-12 uh, and finish up with Oregon because Oregon gets to go last this year. They're the only one on the 29th uh, and and we'll see how that goes. Sounds great. Well, we'll wrap it up there. Any parting words of wisdom for us, Slurms? No, just looking forward to some more great uh, baseball and softball action this week. Yeah, so uh, Lindenwood for the softball team and uh, hosting uh, Oregon State for the baseball team. Um, uh, looking like a little bit of weather, but nothing should uh, interfere with the games. But of course, it never rains on this podcast. <laughs>